Hello and welcome to Serpent Temple. This week we are going to be doing a weekly review of three fresh releases that have just dropped. The first one is going to be by Nechochwan. It is called Kanawa Black. The second one, and bear with me, um, is by the band Zompantli and it is called Tlazkal Tillitsli. Forgive me if I did that wrong. The third one is by King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard and it is called Omnium Gatherum. So we have a mouthful of bands this week. <laughs> it's like a Dr. Zeus book. <laughs> <laughs> Where are my green eggs? <laughs> so what did you think of uh, Nechochwan, Floyd? Well, first and foremost, before we get into the review, I just oh, want to yes. say uh, a massive rest in peace to uh, Trevor Sternad who passed away this week. And um, I think, you know, Black Dahlia Murder were one of those bands where I feel like much in the same way that I feel like Slipknot are gateway bands to get a lot of people into like the extended metal scene. I felt like Black Dahlia were one of those bands that helped people bridge the gap from their love of like, you know, mellow death and metalcore into the death metal realm. Mm. And Trevor, how I kind of always appreciated him was just for his absolutely uh, unrelenting passion for the death metal genre. And he was an absolute champion for the genre and like a real supporter of the underground scene. And I think it's just such a tragic loss. I think not since Riley Gale has a has a, a death in the scene been so impactful. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just a, a massive shout out to the the Black Dahlia crew and his family. And uh, I think it's worth saying as well. You know, I mean, it's the in the band statement they released um the uh, National Su- Suicide Prevention Hotline. So I'm not going to speculate as to what the cause of death was, but I think anybody with two brain cells can read between the lines. So I think it's just worth saying that if anybody out there is struggling, just you know, kind of. It's worthwhile just reaching out. You know, yeah. there's, there's people out there willing to help. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, please don't ever feel like you can't tell someone that you're struggling. It's okay. Everyone does. And everyone, no one, you know, there's always someone who, who wants to to be there for you. So anyone listening, if you're having a hard time, please, um, you know, don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so the Chochwin. Um so this is a band that has been on my radar for quite a few years now. I think I first listened to them with the Heart of Akamon album, which is their third album. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool because as a band, they've gotten kind of progressively more metal as the times went along. So their first album was basically just an acoustic album. It was kind of like neo-folky. And then they start to add more and more elements, like there's more black metal layers. And what I like in this album is they've kind of uh, reached this point where they've got quite a lot of trad elements in the music. I think I liked that addition to a lot of the songs. And there's a lot going on in this album. <laughs> there's a lot going on in all the albums <laughs> we're reviewing this week. Yeah. But um, I think this is definitely a very worthy uh, addition to their discography. I, I just love the um, the lyrical inspiration as well, the whole Native American. Um, and I believe it is the West Fall um, kind of side or tribe they're mainly focusing around. I think so. I th- I think I wrote it down at some point. But either way, I just think it's cool. And this is actually going to be touched upon again in the Son Pantley album. And I just think it's just super cool when the band kind of gets in touch with like the uh, indigenous roots of the country that they're based upon and, you know, and recognizes that, you know, that there are cultures that predate, you know, the people that eventually ended up settling in that country. Yeah. And I think it's, and I think it's important to remember that and realize that, you know, that there is a space for everyone still. There was there was essentially a genocide um, that is never talked about, um, and I, I can't remember there was there's a term for it. It's like something like about a great hole, um, but yeah, like you know, generations of families were torn apart, and this was happening literally a hundred years ago. There were still you know American 
Indian kids were being taken away from their parents and put into these like horror, horrible institutions where they were abused, they lost their history, their family, their culture, like the language was intentionally, um, you know, there was attempts to destroy it. So it's amazing that there are people who are preserving, um, preserving that and going against like the colonization essentially that happened with that culture. Yeah. It's, um, I'll tell you one thing I never realized until a few years ago, just how, um, how fucked up the whole First Nations thing was in Canada. Yeah. I felt like for years, I mean, like, I'm not having to dig at Canadians, but I felt like for years, there's, you know, it's so easy, you know, like USA or North America at times is such low hanging fruit in terms of like taking jabs at them. Mm. Like, see all the memes online of like, you know, as soon as they insult, like, you know, the fact that we drink tea, like a British <laughs> person goes, well, you shut up your schools and, you know, just shit like that. But I feel like, you know, I feel like, a, like Canada has barely answered for the shit that they've been doing. So it's the fucking same, really. Yeah, it, it is. Like, honestly, there is a lot of... I mean, Canadians have, like, a very good rep for being, like, polite and lovely. And, like, perhaps they are more polite than Americans. I can't really speak as a, a racial expert on culture and politeness. I don't think it's really, like, important. But historically, yes, there is a lot of horrific stuff. There's some interesting documentaries um, that you can go and watch about the history of native people in both Canada and America. And I thoroughly recommend it, especially yeah. for people who, who like to learn about stuff that you would not be taught, taught about at school. Cause it goes against like the traditional narrative of the, of like, you know, how great it is that <laughs> Europe colonized the world. Um, make of that what you will basically. But yeah. Yeah. You have still never been to the British museum. I have mixed feelings about the British museum. No. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> Anyway, so back to the album and the band in question itself. So this Indeed. band's from West Virginia, um, signed to Bindering Records. Well, that's what this album's released on anyway. You've got, uh, I'm presuming these are their pseudonyms. Mm -hmm. You've got po Poho Nassin, who covers drums, bass, hand percussion, and the Jews harp. And uh, Nachochwin, which is the namesake of the band as well, who performs the guitar, vocals, and flute duties. Um, so I, I even from the very beginning of this album, so the title track Kanawa Black, I, I, I loved it. I, yeah. I, I really love the combination of different um, sort of subgenres of metal, especially like the trad style being mixed in with black metal. Totally. And it's so cool. And it's funny because it's something that Bathory were touching upon decades ago. Interesting, but kind of fell to the wayside with the second wave stuff, and they've been kind of diversified and became a bit more modernized. Oh. But I like the fact now that that kind of traditional, sort of like classic, sort of trad heavy metal sound is being brought back into the fold by some bands and being revitalized in the pure scene as well by bands like Visigoth, for example. Um, and it's, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I really love the vocal delivery on this album as well. It's a really varied vocal performance. I don't know if it's the same person, I don't know if it's in a Chochwin themselves who's handling all the vocal duties but like there's a good combination of like black and rap like raspy vocals mm. uh, there's some really cool gutter rules on one of the tracks that well, i thought were super cool and i really like the clean vocals as well yeah kind of a bit candle massy at times you know a bit doomy and you know it's just yeah just uh heavily enjoyed the vast majority of this album i, I literally wrote the same thing as you about the vocals like there there is so much variation and i think that's actually really rare um in a lot of of records is that often there's like one or two kinds of vocal and not always by the same person but there is a lot of like i i feel like this album there's a lot of storytelling in it and i feel like the vocals reflect that i feel like the vocals are always trying to convey something and then not doing it in the same way over and over again um and i think that's really masterful like there's whispering there's talking there's cleans there's harsh and like 
I really love the harmonies in this because then they're, they're not your usual harmonies. They're kind of they feel more authentic to the kind of culture that it's coming from, from my understanding, which isn't great, um, but it does feel unique. And I love that. I really love that there's a real sense of identity um, and a real sense of story, which I think is so important in music because that's where music comes from is storytelling. That's like where it originated as was people trying to tell pass things on, pass on wisdom and knowledge and culture and, and heritage, I guess, um, if you want to talk about that too. But yeah, this is this is a really interesting um, creation. And I love, I love that we basically have two albums on this week that are from people who are from the Americas, but it's about, it's about cultures that predate the colonization of, of those regions. Yeah. Yeah. And it was totally by accident as well. It just kind of happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, it's uh, true, yeah. But it's, um, no, I totally agree with everything you're, um, saying uh one of my favorite tracks on the album generations of war which i think is quite a powerful name in itself yeah um i just really i think the compositional skill and the instrumentation of a lot of these tracks is absolutely amazing i love the bass work it's almost jazzy at parts as well um but this track in particular generations of war starts with a really kind of melodic somber kind of folky passage and then you get this really kind of like bluesy, jazzy drum and bass, and then some really cool like flute work as well. Yeah. And then the track just fucking drops, and then obviously the distorted guitars come in, and it's just like it totally feels like you know when you watch like the movies and you've got like the calm before the storm. Yeah. We've got that piece of like cinematic music where it's just like you're looking over the ridge and you see like an <laughs> army of people coming towards you, then all of a sudden like every shit just kicks off and it's just mayhem. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what this track kind of. Uh, that's what I was picturing in my head while listening to this track. There's a lot of like insane energy, like that's really beautifully carried through the whole album of like the ebbs and flows and the the sort of contrasts and and colors that are there. And yeah, there's some really powerful imagery with like just the song titles alone. Like I love the the title "Visions, Dreams, and Signs." That's so like so intriguing. I tried to look for the lyrics, but I don't think I could find them yet. Yeah, that's just that was a such super cool track as well. And it's you know, you touched upon something that I think is just really important, uh, just going back to the the vocal variety in this album again. And I feel like, you know, um in the black metal genre, I'm not like this is a pure black metal album because it isn't, mm. but I mean, it's definitely got elements of it in there. But I feel like in so many of the respective subgenres that are the most prominent in the scene, you get this it's so homogenous. And there's so much shit that sounds so contrived and so similar to other things. It's always so refreshing to hear. And I think that's what attracted me to the band in the first place. Mm. You know, and, it's, and it's not a gimmick, because I feel like that's the thing as well. If it comes exactly. across like a gimmick, then it comes across as a bit disingenuous. Cult of Fire. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I enjoy Cult of Fire, but I haven't learned. To, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I don't, but it's it's cool that you do, but I yeah. really don't. <laughs> but it's um, but yeah, no, but like, but that's a very valid example. Like, yeah. you know, it's like where you know, it's when it is disingenuous. Like, it, it's it, it's easy to just form the opinion of what well, this band's just doing this just as like a gimmick or a cash it's appropriation yeah it would literally be appropriation like i i i did research to make sure this the person making this music wasn't wasn't just a random white guy because then it would be a very different album (laughs) if that was the case yeah i think context is very essential um with stuff like this yeah because i think you know it's like going back to what um Obviously, you weren't there, but when me and Shem were reviewing uh, Lycathia of Flame, mm. so obviously that shares the same drummer as Cult of Fire. You've got Thomas Korn. No. But the thing is, like, you know, and it's, but the interesting thing is, like, Lycathia of Flame as an album is much more exploring spirit- spirituality in the broader sense. Like, I'm. Um, yeah. 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 It's not about, they don't, like, dress up 
and sit on like big cobras and look like they're on an Indiana Jones set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have never watched an Indiana Jones film? Don't, no. they're, they're fucking awful. Are they? They're like horrifically colonialist. And oh, okay. like yeah. a lot of listeners are probably like, what is she talking <laughs> about? But they're quite... I don't know. I don't I, they're, they're problematic <laughs> for people like me to watch them. I'm just like, fucking hell, really? Yeah. They're, they're eating sheep's eyeballs. Like, oh. because of those films, when I was a kid going to school, people would come up to me and be like, oh, Nina, do you eat sheep's eyeballs? Is it like in that bit in Indiana Jones? Really? I would not know what they're talking about. And then I watched it a few years ago and I was like, fucking hell, this is pretty racist. <laughs> it's a really awful shit in there. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll keep that in mind forever. I don't, I, I mean, I've, I've reached three and a half decades on this planet without watching them. I think I've probably managed a bit longer. It, but it's, yeah. I've just always been kind of like anti anything Lucas for some reason, just out of pure stubbornness. <laughs> Even Shem. Is it? But yeah, it's that thing of you know when you grow up never watching something and you feel like you've got to a point. It was like I'm too stubborn to change this now because I've you. never seen a Star Wars film. No, tell a lie. I have. I went to the cinema to watch um, the first of the new ones because <laughs> Amy wanted something to watch, and I was like, "This is wank." <laughs> but, um, it's nice to look at, but it's just whatever, man. Like watch Star Trek as well. Yeah, no, I keep that in mind. Oh, or Farscape. Farscape is Farscape so good, so underrated. Yeah. yeah, I had such a crush on the blue alien. I, I had crushes on like the the guy with the big beard, the weird chin chin oh, beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what was wrong with me as a kid. And, and Scorpius. Oh, Scorpius! I had yeah. a huge crush on Scorpius. Good Scorpius. Yeah, good old Scorpius. Weird, wrinkly old man in BDSM gear. <laughs> but ah, uh, no. <laughs> But oh, uh, so um, yeah. But you know what? It's um, one thing I like about this band is they kind of add in to this uh, interesting kind of thing that's happening in the U.S. kind of black indoor metal scene. And like you know, there's bands that are kind of straying away from some of the more problematic tenets of black metal, such as you know some of the Scandinavian or, um, or Finnish scenes. And you know, they 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 they're exploring their own territory. So bands like Panopticon as well, like these guys did a split with uh, Panopticon. Yeah, and yeah. I actually didn't know that until I looked it up earlier. I didn't realize they had a split with them. Um, and then there, I think one of the members at some point was in that band Obsequie. I don't know if you ever listened to Obsequie. I've heard you recommend them before. They're quite good. Like really, really like super melodic black metal, like very lead heavy. I think I might have listened to them. Quite good. It's like, you got, I've got to be in a certain mood for them because they're, they're, they're really like melodic mm. and, but it's like, it's, it's pretty good. And it's, I think it's kind of like, I like bands that kind of, um, you know, are not just copying their European counterparts or. Or just just trying to find and do their own thing and try and find out what's true to them and you know go back to my point about you know not just taking on a gimmick and doing something that actually means something to them because then you know I think that that causes the listener to be able to connect more yeah. easily with the band and the music. I think that's really interesting is that someone from a completely different culture and walk of life can can make anyone connect with their their identity, their authenticity, or like their creative vision. Like, in, and this applies not just to this band, but to, to many bands. Like, oftentimes, we, I mean, I personally find myself really drawn to people who are expressing themselves in a really authentic way. And I think that's kind of awesome that you don't have to be, like, this homogenous. It's got to be, like, European. It's got to be recognizably, like, this band or that band or, or that musical system. Like, oftentimes, actually, people's own, people's own, like way of expressing themselves is the way that they can connect with the most people which is yeah. kind of weirdly what's the word um the other way around from what you'd expect it to be i guess um 
I just got the opposite in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, contrarian maybe. Contrary. No. Contrary. Yeah, contrary. Yeah, that works, yeah. yeah. Nah, it's now nah, you're totally right, and it's funny because like, it reminds me of when I was watching that um, enslaved documentary in preparation for that enslaved special we did, and you know, and um, like I can't forget which band member was. It might be Ivor, the guitarist, was saying that you know, like when we listen to music about or write music about our culture and our lack of a better term heritage it it makes us want to explore other cultures yeah and, and listen to bands that are doing the same thing so not copying us and you know appropriating things that we that are important to us and our heritage mm. but are important to theirs and it's yeah. kind of like, you know, like obviously with my parents both being Scottish, you know, it's like I've always been fascinated by like, you know, like say the Gaelic language and stuff and, and listening to how um, and just finding out about that history. But also while, while appreciating and, and realizing that, you know, I live in the modern world and, you know, there was a different time back then. And like, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just it's just a tricky one isn't it because it could so very easily veer into problematic territory. It can. It's yeah. really a fine line, and it's interesting because you know, obviously, I do that in Lowen, like in my band. Like I'm, I'm. It's about my heritage, but it's not. It's it's. I guess it it's the the line, the really difficult line to navigate is you're never saying mine's better than yours. Yeah. Which I think that that's where people start going down the the, the dark road of of supremacy. Yeah. of like whatever culture they're touting or ideology i guess because it's not necessarily ideological when you're trying to preserve something that isn't part of the dominant force of culture around you i think yeah. that's that's the good fight i guess depending yeah. on what it is it's not like you know child sacrifice yeah. um which no one's doing so it's fine that's yeah. a good point i felt like in that sentence alone you named like five hate breed albums <laughs> so like perseverance <laughs> supremacy <laughs> domination <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Are hate breeds sus? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, oh, was, oh, Uh-oh. well, no, they're not sus, but like, I remember when I was, um, when I was like, uh, back in my line wire and in my bear share days when I've done music online. That sounds like an app. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's probably another bear share out there that's probably very, um, which is probably popular quite popular. In Soho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think bear share was the precursor to uh, LimeWire and Kazar. I did not know that. Um, and uh, there was another one, WinMX, which had, um, WinMX had chat rooms uh, which were unmonitored and there was some real fucked up shit going on there. I could tell you that for a fact. Oh dear. Um, but anyway, oh yeah, no, that was my original point. Yeah, so I was looking up hate breeds. Um, they had a track, which which isn't their track, but it was under the hate breed name. It was just like, it had the M word in it. No. But it wasn't actually but, hate But breed. it's not it a hate breed song. But for some breed. reason, oh. there was a track listed, and I can't remember what it was called, but I just remember it had the M word in it. I remember looking them up, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and it wasn't until, you know, a few years later that I realized You realized that, it wasn't them? Oh. Yeah. Wow. You know what? If LimeWire was still al- still around, it would be such a funny way of virally, not like with the hate thing, but like marketing your music is to label it as something really popular and then like it just be your song and then have people download it and then like work it out. I mean, it depends on what it is. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah that's true. Because I remember there was the whole thing where there was, um, there was another thing that I downloaded, which was, um, which I thought was legit for the longest time as well was, Somebody had uploaded this track and they they pretended it was a collaborate collaboration between Corn, um, Slipknot, and uh, Deftones. 
No. But it was this track by this random new metal band. And it was just, it was almost like this guerrilla marketing technique. That's so clever. Like so many people were downloading this track. I got, I got to try and remember what it's called. I think it had the word bullet in it somewhere. But I remember listening to it. This sounds familiar, you know. It's not bullet with a name. That's a non-point track. But there's something bullet. And it's like, and it was fucking online on all these file sharing sites. Um, and it was, it was listed as, oh, Slipknot, Corn, and Deftones. I was like, oh, I got to listen to this. And it was like, I was like, this doesn't sound like any of them. I but saw, I'll find out what it is. I saw a meme today that would have made you cringe because it was like, kids today will never know what it's like to have like five versions of a band in your iPod. <laughs> and it's all like capitalized differently oh. or it's just like the same, but it's different. And there's all these different like formatting changes. I know that you would go through your iTunes and change everything oh, yeah, to be yeah. the same thing. I did not do that. Well, here's a, here's a funny story. And this is a testament to my, um, my anal retentiveness. <laughs> Is um, so I, I was a CD guy, so I grew up basically in the CD era. I had a couple cassettes, but then CDs came out, and I was like, "Well, this is much better. The quality is easier." Mm-hmm. And this is—it's <laughs> funny now saying that this is much more um, kind of uh, what's the word when something's more. I'll go with accessible for now to like digest the music because I could just press a button and it skips a track. It's convenient. Whereas like now, you know, you can just everything's available at your disposal. But it's um, but yeah. So I was a CD guy. So um, this was pre iTunes. So when I had my computer and I had dial up. I uh, ripped every single CD to my computer's library. Uh, I think it would have been with QuickTime. Not realizing that, because um, the thing is, because I dial up and my mum used the phone a lot, I wasn't connected to the internet because my mum was on the phone to like my grandparents and aunts and uncles and stuff. Oh no, so did you lose? Like... No, it's not that. So if you were connected to the internet and you ripped the CD, then um, it had all uh, most of the track information for you. Oh. I ripped. 500 cds and personally typed the title the title of every single track album all the information and it took me months if you ever want to get like a job at spotify (laughs) you could just tell them that story and they will just like have tears in their eyes and be like you could have the job yeah but like it's just crazy because i was thinking not once did i rip it while connected to the internet and realized i think it was like near the end it was maybe like on album maybe like four four hundred and twenty when i was just like i was just like oh this is going to save me a lot of time. But yeah, I was totally that guy that had to rename the track to make sure that there was no, like, no, no random. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I used to be like that when we started the podcast. I'd be really anal about the formatting, and now I just don't care. Yeah. So, yeah, like, enough. Whatever. It's fine. Right. Should we summarize on the Chotron album after yes, that digression? But, um, I, I think I should probably say um, they wrote on their band camp about the sort of inspiration behind this album um, and they say it's inspired by factual and anecdotal events in American prehistory and frontier history um, and like they acknowledge it as a slight change in their tone um, and their sound as well because it took several years to to write it and during that time it sounds like the exploration and the topics and the sound evolved um, they talk about how so from my understanding the Trotchwin is a tributary of the Ohio River and no. um, and like this, the specific sort of region and the history they explore is, is that part of West Virginia um, and the Ohio River Valley, as well as the Laurel Highlands of Pennsylvania. Um, so that's like their area of artistic influence. And they say that they hope that the songs will convey to the listener the essence of the past, even in fleeting moments in our modern lives. Um, so I think that's really interesting. I think that's really cool that they've they've done that and um kanawa apparently is a shawnee word meaning new water um i googled that so i don't know if that's true 
Um, and apparently there's a Catawba word where it also means friendly brother. Oh. And I think I read in an interview that this, this guy, when the, the guy behind this album, when he was 14, his friend named him Nachochwan because he was, I think it was Nachochwan. It was, it was, I think so, because apparently he was like his own person. Yeah. If I remember correctly, but this is me 12 hours ago, very sleep deprived. So I may okay. have misread it. Yeah. Well, as, as always, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's um, no, and I think you know you touched upon the point of them taking a while to write this album, and I think you know I think they definitely delivered. It's a marked progression from previous albums. Yeah. No doubt you have some people that will that prefer the more kind of like black metal folky silence of the previous albums, but I feel like there's just such a clear progression on here. Like it even reminded me of Opeth quite a few of the times. Absolutely, like yeah. you know that real focus on the rhythm section and that driving like bass beat and you know elements of like bluesiness, which I think is you know quite central to that kind of like americana sound as well um but yeah i just thought it was a really really solid album i need to listen to it again because i've been listening to it the once and it's it's one of those albums that i feel like is gonna it has layers and there's more is going to be revealed with repeated listens absolutely i think this is like you know a still waters run deep um yes. with lots of enslaved riffs underneath the water <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's beautiful it's a fantastic album um thank you again for the insane recommendations this no, no week. Worries. <laughs> um which probably moves us on to the next album um and i've got to say this is probably going to be my album of the year oh it's going to be up there for yeah. sure for me 100 percent. i i lost my shit when <laughs> i listened to this i was like holy fuck where did you find these people um so the band is and uh, let me find it because i don't want to i'm going to try and do it as much justice as i can so the band is um some pantsley and the album is called tlaskal tilitsli I think I think it's pretty damn good. Much better than I could manage. It, it's it's a it's a mouthful. Let me say that much. It's already got a good number of streams. Actually, it's already in like you know the multi thousands. So that's I'm so glad it's doing well because this band deserve to be so much bigger. This is their first album, which blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. I mean, uh, it's a band from Pomona, California. Uh, they're signed to Twenty Bucks Spin. Uh, you've got the uh, the legendary G Bone on bass. G-Bone. What a name, G Bone. I don't know who he is, but fuck me. What That's a name. such a good name. I wish I had that nickname. I, I want all of us to have that name. <laughs> yeah, G Bone. F Bone. Oh. Nah, doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a different kind of bone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck Bone. <laughs> and you've got Errol Ugg performing drum duties and the Big O on vocals, guitars, bass, didgeridoo, and the animal and death rattle flutes. How cool is that? Just And that's one thing that's cool about this album. I love the uh, percussion and all the um, kind of indigenous instrumentation going on here. The deaf whistles. What the fuck, man? So, like, oh. They're so cool. I want to buy a deaf whistle. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe cut that one out. <laughs> that's, that's like an orgasm whistle. <laughs> Show right. randomly orgasming in the corner, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is fair because I was close to orgasm when I was listening to this album. Yeah, like I, I remember last night I was like doing my notes and Shem was like, "Oh, what is it then?" And I was like, "I was like, oh, you're gonna really like it. It's amazing." He's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." <laughs> and I put it on and he's just like, "What the fuck? This is like bolt thrower." And I was like, "I know, right?" Yeah. And we just started vibing to this album. Like I've listened to it three times in like, the last day. It's yeah. so good. I think he summed up pretty well actually because he's saying it's like bolt thrower mixed with like ruins of Beverast and like it's totally got that like that atmospheric but it's just 
like it's like everything I enjoy in metal kind of wrapped up into one. Same. Like uber guttural vocals, like proper like oh, Will Rama from Mortician style, so but without like big. the super shit production. Yeah. Um, like it sounds like, and I love like the other vocal um shit going on, like like the like the shamanic chanting, chanting and yeah. like just some of the yells going on. Like it just sounds so cool, and it's like it's funny. And I'm not shitting on this band, but you know the band Alien Weaponry. Yeah. Like. That's cool and whatnot, and you know, like the young kids and stuff. But like, you know, that's I, I never really dug what that band was going for. But I felt like you know, because they're also you know, like singing about you know, like the, the Maori tribes and stuff. And I felt like it, it had too much of like a Western veneer to it. I get you. It's Whereas like, like this sounds like what I would imagine it would be like to be fucking like around uh, like the fucking Aztec time. So here's a cool fact: Son Pantley. Um, is the name for a skull rack. That's cool. Used to display human skulls, often of enemies or sacrifices in several Mesoamerican civilizations. That is so fucking cool. That's a cool, yeah, that's that's pretty That's pretty rad. That is so, so I, I googled like as, as much as I could um, of the song names, which are all um, very complex for a Western mouth. Um, so the first one, Tlatzintli, um, means, well, actually no, that's the second song. That's the title track. Wait, no, it's not. It's the second song. It means something begun um, or a creation. And this is all Nahautl, um, which is like the language, one of the languages of the region that's very old. Yeah. Um, and it's a very cool, beautiful language. Um, the first song, Yauhu Huatl, please forgive me for dismembering all these song titles, um, is, is Nahautl for war drum, which is appropriate because this feels like the best war metal album I've ever listened to. Yeah. Like this is my new Man of War, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the title track, um, Tlaz Kalitzli, nourishing. So this is what I got on the dictionary online. So it could just be absolute trash, but I've got nourishing the fire and sun with blood, a ceremony or ritual. Um, and then Eltaqui, the fourth track to cut the chest open part of human sacrifice to extract the heart that will serve as an offering to the divinities or deities. Um, I couldn't get anything for the fifth um, track, which is probably the hardest to pronounce, um, which was, <laughs> why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> which was, I think. That's a pretty damn fucking good job. I mean, not like I'm a fucking expert, but I mean, that, I mean, that sounds close. <laughs> Maybe G-Bone can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, but then six is Tlamanali, which is much easier to say, which is apparently an offering, gift or present um, or something flat placed on the ground or a large flat plate like a kamali. I don't know what that is, um, where pottery is placed so it can be turned and shaped. Oh, so I guess like a potter's table um, or something carried a burden born on one's black on back. Blah. And then the seventh track is Yautiakahuanetsli, which I couldn't find a definition of. Um, but yeah, that's the general gist of the album, which is fucking cool and heavy. That's like, metal as fuck, isn't it? So fucking metal. This is like no. the most brutal fucking album. Um, and like, I love, I can't remember which track it is, but there's a track like um, one or two minutes in, they just howl like wolves. Yeah, the wolf track. I'm pretty sure that's the title track. It's so um, good. I've just been randomly howling like a wolf for the last day or so. Because it's <laughs> just so... It's super cool. It, no, it might be... I think it might actually be the fifth or the seventh track. It was I one of the, the the long track name tracks. 
I think you might borrow. That's that's the th- that's the tricky thing with not knowing this language is it's it's easy to get the tracks confused. Yeah. Um, I think for anyone you know, because I think I kind of want to just sum this album up in terms of the general sound, just so people can get an idea of what they're in for. Because I think True. Uh, it's like you know, this is primarily like a doomy death album. As I'd say, it's probably equal parts doom, equal parts death, but like sludgy like doom. So not like your stoner. Like this is like your yeah, absolutely heaviest like very no, talking the. Uh, bands we've done recently on deep dives like very reminiscent of disembowelment at times you know like Mm. super low end sludgy like really haunting leads and slow chords but the death metal parts are groovy as fuck like it literally sounds like boat thrower um so good and it's just like the vocals are amazing um the 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 bass is like fucking booming and thunderous as fuck like the drumming is great like it's not overly flashy he's playing everything perfectly in place like you know the pace of the tracks and all the transitions uh like led masterfully by the drummer in my opinion it's flawless and then they've they've inserted like indigenous instruments like yeah. in all bits all parts of the music it's not just like a bit at the beginning a bit at the end it's like it's always you don't know what's going to happen next is there going to be a fucking uh, death whistle are they going to start chanting one of my like musical kinks is when people go Ooh, <laughs> i fucking love that sound yeah, i love cool, it yeah. if someone does it in a film i start losing my shit if they do it on any any form of music i'm just like oh this is so good <laughs> I uh, i'm the same it's like a they find there's a fucking blare on this album as well yeah. it's like a blare. <laughs> yeah there is yeah <laughs> i was like shit uh, but one of my favorite parts is i'm not going to try and look back and see which track it is because you just listen to the whole fucking album and you hear it yourself yeah but there's right. a part where there's like a break and then there's like a death whistle and then like a sick riff i'm thinking yes. like, that is so fucking cool yes but oh. it's just it's just so because it, the thing is it's simple like in terms of like the music that's being played like especially exactly. the guitars anyway like it just shows that you don't need to be the most virtuosic musician to make good music like yeah. it's there's it's it takes so much skill to be able to take these riffs that have been used and or riffs that sound similar to this that have been used in death metal for decades now but still managed to package it in a way where it sounds fresh and authentic. And it's actually just kind of like revitalized my interest in the scene a little bit, almost single-handedly, because, you know, when you've been listening to death metal for close to 20 years, it's like, you kind of feel like you've heard it all. So it's just so cool that a new band's come along, their first album, and they're just like, it's already like, fuck. Like, this is like... It's so good. This has hit me out of left field. It's amazing. I I will say, um, so on the band camp listed Huey... It's at Quanotto O, like Sano, um, the vocals and guitars. He apparently, according to Metal Archives, is Brian Ortiz, who's also in um, Zabalba. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Zabalba, a good band as well. They're like kind of like a like a hardcore kind of death metal band, heavy as hell. Yeah. I think they're playing. I think they're playing Outbreak Festival. You know, the uh, hardcore festival in Manchester. Oh. Um, which I was thinking about going to, but clashes with Hellfest. So maybe they're coming. Going to come to Hellfest. Maybe. I think they yeah. actually might be playing. I think they might be because they do share some. Well, obviously with Hellfest, you know, lasting like two months, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two like, years, yeah, yeah. <laughs> making up for lost time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's the a good chance they probably will be traveling oh, over. Oh, maybe we should see if we can talk to Brian. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. Ah. I love to stand next to him because he, he is like he a, looks he's so a, he's an absolute vast. tank. Yeah, yeah, like the vocals that man can put like. No fucking way. Sick. Is that the Saturday? Yeah, that'd be cool to watch because the barber are legit sick. As I well. can't fucking like, wait. Yeah. Yes, perfect. Because yeah. it's uh, it's funny because there's actually there's two Zabalbas. so they're like the death metal, like hardcore Zabalba. There's a black metal Zabalba as well. Oh, I who, didn't know that. Who like and they the black metal 
Zabalba reformed kind of semi-recently. But they had like this legendary album that always used to make me laugh because it's like Ad Daz, it's like Ad Zam Poop Ek or something. But had, but had the I word thought, poop in it. I thought that was a Zabalba that Ortiz was in. No, that's the other, that's, that's the, the black metal Zabalba. Zabalba. Oh. Who've reformed recently. I think a, a rec- they released uh, either a new album or a new EP or something in the last few years. Yeah, because um, it, it's a Mayan underworld god. Because that's how I found out about the Zabalba that the, the fucking this dude, the Big O, is in. Yeah. Because I saw that there was two of them listed when oh. I heard that the other Zabalba had reformed. That's wild. So, yeah. Thank you for there being two Zabalbas, because otherwise we would never have known. <laughs> but I saw this. This was actually listed on the uh, on the Metal Injection weekly releases. So wow, it, it they was, get some really good releases on there. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. was like given like one of the spotlight ones. So it wasn't one of the additional wow. ones listed at the we bottom. We were an additional for yeah. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah there was someone uh, on, on their team of the ones that fucking turned me on to it because I saw it was listed and I was like fuck this sounds like a bit of me I'll check this out for sure thank you I was you, thinking, fuck I was like this is amazing that is so cool yeah, yeah the, I'm so hyped about this album like I cannot emphasise it's like I love a lot of the music we cover but it's very rare that an, that an album will grab me in the way that this one has yeah um, and like it's inspiring too it's just wonderful to see people who do the kind of thing that I want to do myself and they're doing their own way of doing it and it's like mad inspiring and it's great. Um, and I like they, they dedicate this album to the indigenous peoples, nations and tribes of the north, south, east and west of the American continents, um, which I think is so cool. Like I love that on, on the, so <laughs> did some Twitter sleuthing and um, Ortiz's personal Twitter um, he has like decolonization in his like the word listed in his bio, which I think is really awesome. I think that's yeah. really cool that there are people who are like taking their culture back essentially, yeah. um, but not doing it in like a awful violent way, just in a like cultural way. And I think that's great. Art is art. That's what art can be for. Yeah, it's like you know, it's it's funny actually. That kind of reminds me. I remember there was the whole furor about people taking down like the statues. Oh yeah. And it was just like, no, let those statues be there because we want we want people to remember like the fucking racism and slavery <laughs> a lot of these countries were built on. Like you know, I, I agree with the anger against the statue, but yeah. I just feel like you know people need to be aware of the shit that's went down in most countries. I I, I, res- I respect that view. I think personally. Um, I think taking a statue down is powerful because like when, when the Saddam statue got pulled down in Iraq, yeah. that was a big fucking deal. And like, yeah. I think there's a symbolism in the destruction of a statue that I personally can get behind at times. That makes times. a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I think a part of the problem was that a lot of people didn't even know who those statues were. Yeah. Um, and they had no idea like who those streets were named after. So like, I think that's part of the problem of, with that kind of cultural erasure is that you're given these words, these people, these names, and you're like, because they're in a spotlight, you don't realize that they're slavers or that they're yeah. awful fucking people. But I also get that there is value in like, for example, in Germany, where they've kept certain Nazi monu- monuments because everyone fucking knows what that is. Yeah. And like seeing that is is shocking. And that's part of how you try not to get back to that place. Yeah. So I think it works both ways. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, you're absolutely right, actually. It's... um. It's funny because I think I remember reading the story about one of the statues that was dropped in the lake and someone tried to retrieve it by swimming and trying to like <laughs> lift luck. it out and they nearly drowned. <laughs> That's like, like, what was that lady who was like, I will single-handedly destroy ISIS. Oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> so God, funny. I've got a name, yeah. Oh yeah, that, that, that was great. God, I, I miss memes when they made sense. I know. 
I mean, I love random memes as well and shit like that, but... We've transcended into, like, another realm of complete loss of meaning, which is kind of in itself beautiful. But back to this incredible album. Yeah, I think the last one I want to say really is just a shout-out to whoever the fuck produced this album. The guitar tone on here is absolutely ridiculously heavy and filthy. Like, it reminds me of Triptychon at times. It, it was produced um, by the mastermind behind the album and Errol Ulug. Well, there you go. Like, fucking absolutely stellar Damn. job because it, it is one of the heaviest albums I've heard in the longest time in all yeah. aspects. So it was just... It's a belter. Yeah. Yeah. Please, if you, like, check this album out. It's so fucking amazing. Um, these guys, like, it's, the, it's their first album and I, I strongly believe that they're going to blow up. Yeah. yeah. I could see them. I would love to see these guys on tour with, like, Malignant Alter, for example. I think that would be such a sick bill. I want to see them live so bad. Yeah. I want to see them fucking toot on a death whistle and I will lose my mind accordingly. Oh, that's like, um, do you know the band? They're an Indonesian band called Jasad. No, I don't know. They're like a brutal death metal band and they're like, they're like super, they're more slammy, but they also have like, um, a, like I'm, I guess like an Indian, Indonesian version of like kind of similar to like a Jude Harp mm-hmm. and they would, they would play that like before like a brutal slam would come on. Oh, that's it's, so cool. It's, it's the like sickest boing, thing. Boing, boing, boing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they play it during the slam as well. And <laughs> that's it was amazing. so cool. The guy was doing like these uber guttural vocals and then bringing out the harp and it was like fucking sick. That's like, so fucking amazing. cool. Amazing. I love shit like that. So if they actually do this instrumentation live, then that is like a must-see. I'd have to see that shit live. Mate, that would be amazing. Okay, shall we move on to something else that's suitably fucking crazy? Let's do it. Um, so this was a bit of a wild card. I didn't actually listen to this before I suggested it. Um, King, Gizzard, and the Lizard Wizard, Omnium Gatherum. This is a mammoth band in terms of discography. Yeah, I think I was saying before we recorded as well, I just presumed, I, I feel like I've heard of this band for the longest time. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I know that 2012 was 10 years ago now, like, but like, Fucking hell. which is, which is mad. Um, but it's, um, like, I thought this band had been around maybe since the 90s. Yeah, I thought the they 80s. were like a, a long, like a yeah. vintage band. And yeah. I thought the same when I looked at their discography and, yeah. <laughs> and just realized, no, 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 they're just super prolific. I thought they were like Osric Tentacles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I have no experience with this band. This is the first time I've ever listened to anything they've ever done. I feel like I need a music degree to even <laughs> properly critique this album because yeah. there's so much fucking shit going on here. There's so many genres and styles. Pretty much every genre and style. Yeah, literally. Is on this album. You know, there's tracks that have like proper like De La Soul style, old school hip hop beats. Um, like and it's just the, the, the composition of the album is is baffling but super cool. Yeah. Because the first track is like 18 minutes long. I know. <laughs> and it's amazing. I love the first track. I love the vocal melodies in the first track as well. Like the main like vocal refrain. I think it's just really really catchy and just stunning and just so got some clever. really cool guitar work at 5.30 which is really blitzing and furious like they're obviously like as Shen was saying before as well like a jam band so it's like a lot of the music seems to be you know a bit of a, a stream of consciousness but it's just like I was so blown away just by the amount of shit going on in this album you know yeah. and <laughs> finished an 18 minute track and there's like another 16 tracks <laughs> all about six minutes long I was just like fucking hell like what a mammoth like I'm glad I didn't do what I normally do and woke up wake up early in the morning to listen to all the albums and like take notes so i was thinking like fuck because i'm glad yeah. i done this one like early in the week yeah I, d- I did the same thing i was like i was like i, I don't know if I, I suggested it with the caveat that it's a really big album yeah um but it i so this band i feel like the fans of this band i've never met someone who likes this band that isn't a super band super fan even yeah. people are rabid about this band um they're australian they formed as you say in 2012 and they have had like they, they released four albums in one year. 
Yeah. They regularly release more than one album in a year. This is their second album of 2022. Yeah. So you can kind of see they have like a ridiculous discography. And um, they're kind of... They're, I got aware of them because they have free albums using microtonal techniques in the album. So they have oh, a, cool. an album called Flying Microtonal Banana. So everyone was like, Nina, you should check this album out. You do microtonal shit. So I was like, okay. You know um, this album? It's one of the guys at Dinner Jam. No. Who? It was Mike Shite. Fuck, it was Mike Scheidt. Mike Scheidt told us, Mike oh, told us yeah. about this, yeah. 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 When we met Mike Scheidt and gave him the record, he, we, we were talking to him about Middle Eastern music and he was like, oh, you guys should listen to King Gizzard. Fuck, you're right. Yeah, yeah we talked to Mike Scheidt of Yob <laughs> and he was like, you guys should check out this album. Oh my God, I forgot about that. That's so wild. That's such a sick name drop. I mean, we talk about amazing fucking bands. I mean, Yob, <laughs> fuck me. Yeah, they're fucking Jeez. sick. I love Yob. They're emotional and heavy at the same time. It's a beautiful combination. Um, yeah, I wonder if they're at Hellfest. It'll be cool to bump into him again. Um, so yeah, like Mike Scheidt likes this band. What what other recommendation could you possibly well, give? That's to... a ringing endorsement in itself, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, they have like custom-made instruments as well for playing microtonal the really and stuff. Must... Yeah, really, really cool. I love that. They must play live, right? It must seem like a... Yeah, the, yeah. yeah they play a lot of shows, but it's obviously because they're Australian. Um, I don't think they come over... Like well, they're going to have a, a very hard time fucking coming over now, I think. I'm actually saying that. I think Australia and New Zealand have opened up a little bit. Yeah. Because they were, they were very, especially in recent years, they were quite tight on their borders, weren't they? I know that New Zealand had like a massive metal festival, um, but it was like only for New Zealand people and like there was like just no COVID. So they didn't have yeah. to, it was like a hundred thousand person festival or something. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Was even a hundred thousand people in New Zealand? Christ. Maybe they. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they got some actors in from like <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Maybe they, yeah, they'll film like yeah, yeah. CGI actors, yeah. Like Battle of Helm's Deep. <laughs> Just see some random orcs in the crowd for the live footage. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd love to take like an orc sword to a festival. It would end badly, but I'd love to just stand there in the crowd of like my big orc sword. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd yeah. be very cool. See, I used to think all oh, that shit was kind of cool. I'm not dunking on people that do this now. But you know, the whole Viking horns and like bringing when you're younger, of spiked, course it's amazing. Spiked gauntlets I and shit. I still like spikes. Yeah. Spikes are cool, but I will say though, anybody that gets into a pit wearing spiked gauntlets, you're That's a, a fucking bit of a idiot. Dick move, yeah. You're, you're probably going to spike yourself more than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, someone like whacks your hand into your eye, gone. Yeah, exactly. Gone. Bang, and the eye's gone. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Damn, beat me to it. But yeah, uh, there's a couple tracks on this album I just want to talk about because I thought were really uh, cool. I really like that. There's there's a couple of really heavy, like almost metal tracks on here. There are, yeah. Yeah, Predator X, which has that got some really... That was very Metallica-like. Really, yeah, 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 just like really like you know, a lot of like down tunes, like, you know, palm muted rhythms and stuff. Uh, what was the other cool metal track? Yeah, and it's funny because you've got tracks like that and you've got tracks like Blame It on the Weather, which yeah. is like a B-side like Prince track. Yeah, um, <laughs> you got like the the Guardian Goblin. Oh, that's which my is like, favorite track. <laughs> it's, it's it's like some seventies like pop track, but it's it like, with like, like a contemporary production. It sounds like Mort Garson's Plantasia with vocals. Yeah, no, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love the lyrics. It's like the Garden Goblin. He's looking at me. What's that look on his face? Is it contempt? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, so cool. It's amazing. And then Sadie Sorceress is another cool. That's like a proper like hip hop track. That's my second favorite track. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm not. And the thing is, it's like I am no way qualified to really discuss hip hop. But it has, from what I do know, it sounds like it's got that old school '80s '90s hip hop feel. So more like the the progenitors of the scene. You're like the De La Souls and your um, and your Run DMCs, as opposed to like the more kind of uh, sterile. Um, yeah, this is like. 
hip hop. This is like the good '90s era that I know nothing about hip hop. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I know is because my brother, who you know very well, is um, absolutely losing his shit at the moment because Kendrick Lamar just dropped his new album. Yeah, and that is meant to be, and he says it's amazing. And oh, Amy, so my fiance, yeah. is also absolutely in love with Kendrick Lamar. Um, and she says it's a great album as well. And we're actually going to try and watch him live next time he plays. No way. Because um, apparently he puts on a really good show. Luke should do a podcast. He should. He should. I mean, he, that man's got a, an encyclopedic knowledge of hip hop. Yeah. And like, and he's not like, and the thing is, and we know this in the metal scene as well, like it, much in the same way you get those metal heads that are so steeped in tradition that refuse to accept any modern sounds. Yeah. It's very much the same way for a lot of those old school hip hop heads as well. There's that a lot of them sense. that don't think that there's any good new shit coming out. And it's just like, the truth of it is when you keep your ear to the ground and actually make the effort to try and explore new bands so much like even for, Son Pantley for example yeah like, what, what the, the fuck, fuck? where they come from exactly like, like, yeah. what the fuck like that, that came out of nowhere and you know they're, they're not exactly you know what I'm saying they're not treading new ground in the sense of you know the, the pure instrumentation of the album but mm. like it's just fucking it's, so refreshing it's and, fresh yeah. yeah so now we and, could do like a rap arm of Serpent Temple <laughs> that'd be cool yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's uh oh but yeah, going back to the King Gizzard album, um yeah, it's just some cool shit going on here. I love the title tracks as well. Um one of them, Ambergris, which is um that's the well, that's whale vomit, isn't it? It is whale vomit, it smells really good. Yeah, it's yeah, because they use it for perfumes, isn't it? It's like it's super rare and expensive. The most expensive items in the world, because like you can't farm it. It just turns up on a beach and it's like a big yellow blob of whale vomit and it just smells really good. Well, it's funny because um one of my relatives' partners thought he came across some ambergris on the beach and actually made like local press. No, was it, it just some sick? Yeah, yeah. some <laughs> random person sick. <laughs> some kebab from last night. <laughs> some abandoned burger. <laughs> but like it was, but like if it was amb- but it's an interesting one because I don't think you can sell it. Really, I think well, it's a protected item of some. Yeah, kind. something yeah. like that. So I think you you kind of have to. I think you can make money off of it somehow. There'd be some loophole. Mm. But I think most of it has to be donated because of how rare. Yeah, it is. But it's um, yeah. So, but um, yeah, just some cool shit. Gaia. That's the other heavy track I was trying to think of. I've got mm-hmm. so much notes for this fucking album. It's <laughs> so long. Um, and it was cool because that track comes immediately after Kepler twenty two B, which is named after, I think, a planet that was discovered to be almost as habitable as, as Earth. Earth. Yeah, as an exoplanet, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. And that's got like a that's like a really bluesy, like funky track. And then you got Gaia, which is like a complete one eighty and almost has like a lot of stoner doom like. You'd think it'd be the other way around. You'd think the planet would be the stoner doom song. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's a good point, yeah. But I I can see that obviously there's a lot of references to nature, you know, like Mother Earth, you know, tracks like Magenta Mountain, obviously Gaia, which is I mean, that is Earth, right? That's what the dripping tap is about too, it's about like time running out. Oh, really? And that's what the, the dripping tap is sig- ah. the symbol of, I think. Yeah. Well, time didn't run out on that fucking track. It was eight minutes long. <laughs> that was based on a jam they had the year before, I think, with another band. that they, I can't remember if they did a split or something. And I can't remember the band. So sorry, shit presenter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had like very little time to research this. But yeah, that was based on a jam that they like worked on and then released as, as that title track. I mean, that track is like an EP or album in itself. Yeah, it's so it's big. Just, yeah. yeah. But overall, yeah, it's just as a, as a first, uh, the first kind of exposure to this band. Like, I'm definitely very, very impressed. I am a bit daunted by the discography. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We, we um, so like, I put on another album that was called, I think, something Gondwana Land. And that was really good. That was much heavier. Um, and then they have, they have like a more traditionally, like kind of more metal album. I think their metal influences are mainly like Killing Joke, Asteroids, a bit of Metallica. Um, it's like kind of 
oh my god that's so weird i looked out the window and i thought i saw an alien spaceship but it's just a giant blimp <laughs> <laughs> like from this angle it looks like a disc I was like what the fuck <laughs> I can't even see it it's just this huge ass blimp oh fuck yeah I can see it now yeah. like, you don't normally see blimps in London yeah you, you fucking don't actually yeah. yeah that's a really good point I, that's the first time I've ever seen a blimp yeah take me to your dealer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, um, every time I see a blimp it just well I say every time I see a blimp this is the first time I've seen one <laughs> But like, I'm just, I'm just reminded of that fucking Simpsons episode. <laughs> you were going to say Simpsons, yes. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. Homer's gone on like the Duff blimp. Yeah. <laughs> that That's blimp is iconic. Like, classic Simpsons. We've all grown best. up with this like monolith of a blimp in our, in our heads. I, I saw UFO once. Yeah, I'm telling you. When I say UFO, I mean something that I could not fucking explain. It was when I lived in... He looks so interested. I am. <laughs> it was when I lived in the, uh, one, of the, one of the old sort of family houses in Camberwell. Um, I just looked out the window and it was a fucking... And I remember it so clearly. I mean, you know what my memory's like. So I remember it so, so clearly. Max, my other brother, saw it as well. Because I think I was actually speaking to him about it the other day. I was like, fuck. I remember when we saw that? I was like, what the, what the fuck do you think that was? So it was a triangle, like spinning but while moving in, a, in like a lateral direction. Biblical and angel. Could, could have been, yeah, yeah. And it had like, it had like, it had lights on each point of the triangle and one in the middle. Whoa. And I was totally, it was just one of those ones where we were young. I was maybe, maybe te- like 10. Yeah. So I saw it and I was just like, well, that's fucking weird. But then I was, had to meet all my friends who were going out to play football. Obviously so, you had to go do that. So now I just totally forgot about it. But then it just always stuck in my mind and thinking like, what the fuck was that? I mean, maybe it was like a, a giant like, fucking blimp of what's that Pokemon called? Is it Star Me or Star You? <laughs> but I don't know. You know, I have a lot of weird stories about stuff like that. Do you? Yeah, I have a oh. lot. Like, cause I used to hallucinate a lot when I was a kid, and I hallucinate aliens and shit. Damn, oh, I remember you telling me about like the night Something. terrors. Whether yeah, like, I've yeah. had a lot of like, and as an adult, I have a lot of night terrors. When I was like an older kid, when I was about five or six i was about seven actually i was lying in bed and i i had a high bed yeah um so it was like 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 a bunk bed without the bottom bit and i remember like in the middle of the night i was pretending to read well i was pretending not to read sorry so you know you do that thing where you like you just like launch yourself into bed and pretend you're sleeping so i did that because i heard a noise and then like something wet and cold pressed really hard against my forehead and like no one was in my room yeah and I just remember being like so scared. Yeah. Like my heart was like just pounding in my chest. And like I remember so clearly that feeling of like there was nothing that could possibly have done this this in this house. And that like I, I don't understand. Like it, it couldn't have been a spider. Spiders aren't cold and wet. Yeah. You know, so yeah. And it was like pressing really hard on my forehead. That's so weird. Yeah. Hey, if one lands on you, you go like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that though. I didn't slap myself on the forehead. I was too busy like pretending I was dead. So yeah. <laughs> I told you a story about how I slapped myself in the head once, right? <laughs> it was, um, I've, I've got to be careful the way I sleep because like I was, I was young at the time. But I was still quite like broad. Yeah. And I fell asleep on my arm and my arm went dead in the middle of the night. Oh, I was like, oh fuck. So I was laying on the edge of the bed oh, and I was trying no. to get the feeling back into it. And I hit my hand too hard and flicked back and whacked myself <laughs> in the nose. But, you poor thing. Yeah. You know, I had an, a pyramid um, night terror once as well um, where I woke up and there was an alien sitting on my chest and it was like a green goblin with these gigantic black <laughs> oh, eyes. And before that, I was actually having a dream about Tom Hiddleston and being trapped on a planet. Yeah. Um, and there was like these these voices 
like in walkie talkies. I can't remember. It was like something about I had to find Tom Hiddleston. And I was like trapped in these sand dunes, and I wake up and there's this fucking green guy sitting on my chest, looking down at me like Fuzzelli painting. Like, and then like outside the window there was this giant pyramid. Fuck. Um, and like that was the ship, and there was like another guy in the pyramid, and they, they were using like this tractor beam to try and like get me up. Obviously, I don't believe this is real. This is literally a night terror. I was just awake while it was happening, and I was still dreaming. But this was the dream. Yeah. Um, and I could feel like the blood because you physically feel sensations and pain and stuff. So I could feel all the blood in my body, like trying to get through my skin to be sucked up into the spaceship. And I just God remember damn. like staring into this goblin guy's like dead black eyes. Yeah. We had this like malevolent expression on his face, and I was God. like, these guys are gonna cut me up. And I just remember like trying to fight my body to not like levitate off the bed. And then I, I woke up and yeah. it was like, okay. God, it's mental. Yeah. Wasn't the lead singer of Necrogoblicon, was it? It could have been. Okay, no. It could have been Mortis. Oh, Mortis. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Mortis. Goblin I had that name in a while. Oh. Did you hear about one time he was performing and it was like too hot so the nose kept falling off? <laughs> Uh, just, 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 the, just the image of him just being on stage, having to keep reattaching his nose. You know what? Whenever I see him, I think of that interview we watched with Nardwar, where he's interviewing Slipknot, and the nose guy's nose gets flicked. <laughs> oh yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Chris <laughs> Fenn, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it was Clown. Like reaches back and waxes his nose, and it's like wobbling. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. It's like, oh man, that interview was so cringe. It was like, can you hear it? It's on. It's on out there. <laughs> it's on. But yeah, no, I think that might be a good point to uh, close up the podcast i think that is correct i think um thank you so much for listening to us um talk about some amazing bands and some strange stories today please let us know if you want us to review anything else we've got some good ones coming for you in the next few weeks thank you so much for listening feel free to like and subscribe until next time cheerio see ya